Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. And Goldie hits a high fly ball into deep right center. Way out of here. That is one of the longest home runs to center this year. Goldie, a bomb. And it adds to the St. Louis lead. It's 3-1. Today, and a line drive toward right field, but that is caught. Oh, no, it isn't. Oh, it's dropped by Newt Barr. He had it and then dropped it. And Evans will be caught between first and second, but the Pirates will score two out of it. Drive to center by Gamble nearing the wall, and Ben Gamble clears the deck with his second Pirate cannonball, and it is 7-0. Hey, boy, that was a rough weekend for the St. Louis Cardinals. Did you, Did you catch that? Clears the deck. Clears the deck because they're the Pirates. Yeah. Cannonball coming. Okay, the, the, I was trying to tell you that the other day. You didn't like the call. Yeah, no, I still don't like it. It's awful. You raised the Jolly Roger if they win. Awful. Just so bad. Hey, I'm t- again, I want to be clear. I'm sure that guy's a wonderful human. It's a wonderful human. Um, Greg no, Brown, we, he's a great dude. I'm sure he's great. Does a great job. Does a great job other than... <laughs> I'm out on that. All right. That was worse than the Cardinals' performance this weekend. Oh, come on. Tanner, Much worse. Watch your step over there, son. <laughs> All right. Tanner, I said, hey, do we have any rejoiner coming back? And he said, yeah, I got a hint of uh, positivity. And that was the first one, which was the uh, Goldschmidt home run, 470 feet. That was uh, on Saturday. The Cardinals dropped three of four over the weekend to the Pirates. Coming up, we're going to visit with Mark Reynolds. He is a former Cardinal and Diamondback. The Diamondbacks are in town for the first of three. This is... The Danny Mac Show. That's BK, Brandon Kylie. I'm Dan McLaughlin. So Thursday, 8-2, to two, the Cardinals lose. Friday, the Cardinals lose 5-4. to four. Saturday, they win 3-1. Yeah. Wayno! Good work, Wayno! And then yesterday, they lose 7-2. to two. You want to say anything about that? No. Raise the Jolly Roger! Cardinals were outscored in the series 21-11. to The offensive struggles continued for the Cardinals over the weekend. Game one, two runs, nine base runners, one for four in uh, runners in scoring position. Game two, four runs, 15 base runners, went one for nine. Game three, three runs, 10 base runners, one for eight runners in scoring position. Game four, two runs. Five base runners, one for six, and yesterday the Pirates took a perfect game with a rookie debut, major league debut, uh, into the seventh inning on an 0-2 pitch. Then it was against Dwayne Underwood Jr., Dylan Carlson picking up a double down the left field line. So the numbers, 11 runs, 39 base runners, four for 27 with runners in scoring position. Um We weren't sure if some changes might be made this weekend. They were not. And the trend continues is that the Cardinals just aren't hitting. Oviedo yesterday with four walks in the first. So we have talked a lot about John Gant. Now he's been moved to the bullpen. Wade Blanc going, LeBlanc going tonight. You do have Carlos Martinez going in this series. And that's obviously a huge start, in my opinion, for him and for the Cardinals to stay in the rotation. 
There aren't a lot of options. That's why you have Wade LeBlanc going tonight. But with Oviedo, I'm concerned. Let's talk about this yep. before we jump into the series. I'm concerned about him getting buried. I mentioned this uh, on the crossover. You know, at some point, it's now, what, 14 straight starts, and he hasn't picked up a win. And yesterday, you could see it. He's like, what am I doing? You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're dealing with a bases-loaded situation. You've walked four, and sometimes he has success. And you know he's got the stuff to do it. He's, he's shown you that. But yet he doesn't have the results. And when you don't get the results as a 23-year-old kid, and it's tough to compete in Major League Baseball, it is hard. I get concerned about that. So I am a little curious of what they do at that spot in the rotation coming up. I am as well. I just don't know what the answer is. I mean, I, I because agree. you don't have uh, answers really in the minor leagues. I mean, Libertor has been okay, but not great. I would have the same questions about Libertor that I have right now about Oviedo. Are you going to potentially bury him yeah. by bringing him up? You stun his growth, and then now you've got two guys that you potentially did that with. It's problematic. The other thing, Dan, is it's not just Oviedo. I've got questions about Carlos Martinez. Can he be in this rotation moving forward? It sounded like over the weekend, Mike Schilt, it's an open-ended question for the team, much less for us. So there's two spots in your rotation that you would like to upgrade from. And we've still got another month before these guys are potentially coming back healthy. Speaking of Miles Michaelis and Jack Flaherty. So internal options, there are not a whole lot of. You could potentially go with an opener. That's something that I've proposed. It doesn't seem like the organization loves that idea. They certainly haven't loved it in the past. Dan, this comes down to, are you willing to make a move or not? It would have to be a trade because there's free agents out there. They decided not to do that. Now would be around the time when if they signed Homer Bailey or Cole Hamels or whoever back when these injuries first took place with Jack Flaherty, now would be when those guys would probably be about ready. Well, they decided not to do that. That's fine. That means your only other option is going out there and making a trade. And thus far, they have not shown a whole lot of reasons for us to believe that's coming. And I'm with you on the Libertor thing. I, I brought it up on Friday. You know, do you push him? And the numbers have been okay. They can look at the sabermetrics of it, and, and they're not great. You know, he's still learning. And people, I'm sure, if you don't follow minor league baseball, and, and this is our job to do a lot of that, you say, well, what about Zach Thompson? I've heard a lot about him. Here's the problem with him. He is walking a lot of hitters. And by the way, his velocity, have you looked at that lately? I have not. Is it down? Down. So there's probably a mechanical issue there. It's not a physical issue, which is good, but velocity has been down, which means mechanically he's probably out of whack, mm. which tells you that there's also issues as to why. And you don't want to bring that dude up while he's no. out of whack mechanically. He's walking people. So, you know, you're, you're stuck right now. And this is a uh, this is a tough time, man. I mean, in, in my time of doing the games, this has been probably the worst month I've seen. Now, I've seen stretches where the team hasn't played well. But a lot of times you get those stretches, BK, when uh, the offense hits, pitching is blowing up, or vice versa. This is collectively everything at once. And I, I said this during the crossover. The one guy that I, I watched over the weekend that has given this team, and I don't know if it jumps off the screen at home when you're watching, it certainly did to me in person, is Lars Newpart. Now, it's not like he's tearing the cover off the ball, but I'm watching the at-bats. I'm watching how he goes about his business. He plays with some jump he plays yep. with some um, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for just some passion and I'm, I'm not saying these guys aren't passionate because when you don't hit you look flat but he's come up and maybe it's just a new face and you're paying more attention to it but I appreciate the way he's going about his business there needs to be some wins here just to kind of get the the pressure off 
and move forward. And it needs to start tonight because if not, it's going to be a complete lost season. And, and it is. We talk a lot in sports about momentum, right? And how momentum is not something you can quantify, but it's something you can feel. Whether you're in the stadium, for example, during game six of the 2011 World Series. Like, in game, in season, there is momentum that is taking place. And right now, the momentum for this team could not be any worse. And part of that, Dan, like maybe Saturday in another world could have been a momentum shifter for the Cardinals. You get Wayno on the mound. You get a win against the Pirates. No, the offense wasn't great, but you win a game three to one. There's some good feelings around the team finally. Well, the problem is momentum in baseball. It's the old cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. Next day starter. only as strong as your next day starter. And the Cardinals right now don't have starting pitching that can carry on a winning streak. They've got a lot of guys that can carry on a losing streak right now. But you have one stopper and a whole lot of guys that are making the bleeding come right back the next day. And here's the thing on to your point, and you're 100 percent right, is not let's take it even further. OK, so it's not only your next day starter, but then it's the next batter. It's your yeah. leadoff guy of the game. What happened with Carlos Martinez? Leadoff walk. What happened yesterday? Leadoff walk. Then another walk. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, man, here we go again. And you can you can see it. It's deflating in the ballpark. And when you don't throw strikes. There were boos at Bush Stadium. Yeah. It's they, been they a while since I've heard that. They were out yesterday. They were. It was out. There was a little sprinkling of them the other day. I think it was on Friday. Maybe, maybe Thursday. But definitely yesterday. I mean, the boo birds were out. And I heard it. And you rarely hear that at Bush Stadium. And Mike Schilt knows at Oviedo, this is a work in progress for him. You know, he walked four. All four guys scored. Um, you know. Then you counter that with the stuff part, and you know you got two broken bat or three broken bat singles, and you got an infield hit, and you got you know Frazier hit the you know semi line drive is really the only decent swing that was taken against him. But you look up and it's you know it's five runs. And to his point though, the number one thing was the walks. Can't walk anybody, and they came around to score. But then the infield hit where you had. DeYoung and Edmund go for the ball up the middle. DeYoung gets back to the bag late. All of a sudden, he's safe. Then you had a ball that could have been caught by Dylan Carlson in center field. It wasn't. Didn't have a great jump on it. That drops in. That's a hit. Those little things pile up when teams don't play well. When you're playing well, you make those plays. But to the greater point, you cannot walk people. And during this run, I'll have to do some numbers here. Maybe I'll try to, to look this thing up. You know, starting basically with the road trip that began with the White Sox and where'd they go after Arizona and then to the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. You know, when they, and especially after the Dodgers series, but falling behind early and how many times they catch up, they're just not catching up. And part of that is due to the, the fact that they don't have the offense right now that's doing that, but they are playing catch up all the time. And it's like you're behind the eight ball. And when things aren't going well, the momentum in baseball and you fall behind in that first inning and you're walking a couple of guys and they come around to score. It feels like it's a huge mountain to climb where good teams, you go, ah, we're down two. So what? So what? We're going to tie this game up. We're going to get our guys. We're going to get to this starter. We're going to get in their bullpen and we're going to grind it out. We're going to win. I don't know about you. I don't feel that right now with this club. And when they fall behind early, it feels like it's almost insurmountable. And that's not good. And that's where they're at right now. And now you're 13 games into this stretch against bad teams. Um, we said, or at least I said coming into this, hey, if you could go like 13 and seven, that'd be a pretty good stretch here against these losing teams, given where you're at roster wise. Well, 
13 games in, you're 5-8 and eight against Miami, Atlanta, Detroit, and Pittsburgh. And the worst part for me, Dan, is against Detroit and Pittsburgh in particular. These are the teams that we're going to hone in on. They're 1-5. These are the worst teams in baseball. So it's not just that the team is struggling. It'd be one thing if this was taking place against the Dodgers, Padres. You're going out of the West Coast, and they're just crushing you. That happens. San Francisco, maybe it's that last stretch going into the uh, All-Star break. If this happened against San Francisco and Chicago... Okay, I can live with it. You don't want it to happen, but I can live with it. This is the Pirates and the Tigers. This is the low of the lows. This is two teams that came into the season. I mean, the general manager for the Pirates went on MLB Network Radio yesterday and said, yeah, we're waiting for teams to call us. Teams that are competing for the playoffs, maybe they could use some of our players. This is the team that's beating you three out of four on your home field. It's unacceptable, man. I'm stunned that we haven't seen a little bit more urgency from the team. I'm Uh, really surprised by it. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. So if you've been uh, watching uh, Cardinal baseball or if you're watching games around Major League Baseball, you see the pitcher come off, and then there's the crew chief, and there's another uh, umpire there, and they'll check the hat, they'll check the glove, they'll check the belt to see if there's foreign substances. So Seattle's Hector Santiago got ejected for a foreign substance. It was in the fifth inning of a doubleheader yesterday against the White Sox. First two innings, nothing came up. Uh, third inning coming out of the game, I'm expecting them obviously to check me every inning. Um, I kind of joked around with him moving like if I was going to run away. Because uh, I know I wasn't using anything besides rosin, you know, what's what's given to us. Because going into this, once once it came up, I was just like, I'm going to use rosin. That's what, what that's what we got. I don't want this to be a big thing. I don't want this to happen to me. So, um, and he said he just felt some stuff sticky on the inside of the glove. Um, so all I used was rosin. I mean, I used it on both sides, arms, sweat, trying to keep that sweat from dripping down to the hands. Um, I mean, that's the only thing I... I I use rosin. That's about it. The interesting part about what he said was the glove. And he may be telling the truth. I mean, we only he knows. But here's the thing. If I'm a pitcher, I got to go to a new glove. I, I have to just get rid of my old glove because God knows what's in that glove. Sure. I mean, you know, and, and maybe by Even no intentional. That's what I mean. By no yeah. fault of my own, you know, the ball gets thrown around and. Uh, some hitter had pine tar on his hands and it got on the ball and the ball went to the glove and then it went, you know, and that was months ago, years ago, whatever, or I was putting something in it years ago. It it doesn't matter, but I got to go to a new glove and I also got to go to new hats. I I don't want any kind of um, chance for umpires to come to me and say, hey, you know, your hat's a little dirty and we notice it and you're out of the game and there's your there's your 10-game suspension. So I, I just would make it really easy for him. I'd go to my clubhouse manager, the guy that I know that I entrust really my life with. Those guys are awesome. They're some of the best guys in baseball. And I'd say, hey, man, give me a new, uh, new belt. I need a new belt. I need a new hat. And order me a bunch of new gloves. And I would probably use various gloves throughout the year. Because I can't be associated with this stuff because they're checking hard. And if it's his old glove, then I could see why an umpire would do it. Sure. And the the one thing that I will say, just to play that devil's advocate for a minute, because I don't know if he was using anything or not. I don't know if there was anything on the glove or not. But let's operate under the assumption that what he's saying is true. And that there's nothing on this glove. They're going to go. They're going to send this to headquarters. They're going to test it for whatever. And it's going to come back completely negative. All there was on there was rosin. 
Well, imagine this doesn't really matter. It's a meaningless game, relatively speaking, in the middle of late June. That That is not a big deal. What if this does happen in a big game? If it's you Darvish on the mound for the Padres and he has rosin and it's the same situation and it's now late August or early September and they're playing against the Dodgers in a game that could ultimately determine the race in the NL West. And they decide to boot him from the game after his second inning of work. And now the Padres are scrambling and they've got to use their bullpen for the next seven innings. Well, that's going to be problematic. And so this is one thing that I am curious how baseball manages moving forward It's one thing to have this happen here. If this happens in a big game in September, maybe even October, God forbid, and they think that there's something there, but there's not, this is where things get very, very difficult for baseball. I would just say, if I'm a pitcher, I'm going to take and eliminate, (laughs) and your point is valid, um, but I'm going to give them absolutely zero reason to think that I'm using. You know what I mean? Here's a guys, here's a new glove. Not even broken in. Got a new glove. By the way, my hat, just got it this morning. Um, my belt, here you go. It's a brand new belt. There is no chance of having foreign substance on it. And just eliminate it. You know what I mean? Totally I, with you. I, I agree. And I, I understand what you're saying. The circumstances could be it's you know, tough. where it's big. And uh, This is the Trevor Bauer thing that he was talking about, right? Where right. it's like, hey, I've got rosin and sweat on my hand, and he's holding the baseball up, and it's just sticking to his hand as he's got his hand basically parallel with the ground. How do you tell the difference between that and a sticky substance if you're an umpire? That's where it becomes difficult. That's where I have been on day one. How are these umpires supposed to know the difference? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. How are you supposed to ask these guys to really be detectives in this stuff, to have a full understanding of how deep this runs with how pitchers uh, were doing this? I love um, – I'm going to jump around here. So there's a bunch of stories I want to get to before we get to Mark Reynolds. I'm not a big home run derby guy. I don't know if you are. Are you? Do you like it? I enjoy it. I'll have it on in the background. It's not like my favorite thing in the world, but I do enjoy watching. So the first couple I I watched, like back in the late 90s, I thought, oh, this is great. We got Big Mac and Griffey and, you know, now it's just the novelty is worn off. I don't I don't care. I love Ricky Horton's. um, Ricky Horton says to me, he goes, I can't wait till we have the slider down and away contest. (laughs) He he doesn't like it. So uh, but I I am going to pay attention to this year's because I'm pulling for this guy more than anybody, and that's Trey Mancini, who had stage three colon cancer, and now he's back. He missed all last season, and he's competing at a high level, and he's been invited to the Home Run Derby, and he's going to do it. I'm I'm pulling for that guy. I don't care who's competing in it. I want him to win. I want him to get all the attention, and I want him to show that you can beat cancer and come back and live a normal life. I, I think it's just fantastic. I'll say this for baseball. There is a lot of crap that's taking place in the game right now, and some of the criticism that we have, I think, is totally founded and it's justified. There are some really cool stories taking place in baseball this year. I mean, if you just wanted to focus on the positive side of things, what Shohei Otani is doing is literally... In the last 90 years of baseball, basically watch him any if he name under other than Babe Ruth, it's unprecedented right. what we're watching with him. Uh, Francis, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. over the weekend, another huge weekend for Three him. Three home runs in one game. Some of the young stars across baseball, this Trey Mancini story, Jacob deGrom, what he's doing right now. I mean, there are some unbelievable storylines in the sport, but a lot of that is kind of getting pushed on, swept under the rug because of some of the crap that we're having to talk about regularly. Jacob deGrom allowed multiple earned runs for the first time, by the way, since September of 2020. He allowed two earned runs in his last start against the Phillies. Ron Darling was asked uh, just the other day, is he a Hall of Famer right now? 
And he said, ah, and I'm paraphrasing, I think he said he, he's got a little bit more work to do. I don't know, man. If DeGrom wins another Cy Young, which he would get my vote right now, I think you have to look at him as, my, is he in the Hall of Fame already? That would be three, I believe. Yeah. It, I would like to see him pitch probably, let's say, three more years. But with what he's done in this sample size and how good he is, Boy, Seven seasons of basically peak, right. one of rookie of the year. What this I'm saying, his it, third, it, yeah. it gives him to 10. I, I think he's in. Yeah. Man. I mean, there are certain guys, and it's very rare that this is the case, but whether it be baseball, football, whatever the sport is, if your peak is at such a high level, it doesn't matter if it's a 12-year span. Like Terrell Sandy Davis. Koufax. Yeah, Terrell Davis for the football context side of things, right? He had basically a five-year run of really being one of the best running backs in the league and really just a two-year run of being elite of the elite. And that was enough. That was enough to get him into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he deserved it. When you do something like this, where you've got an ERA under one for a season, that that goes a pretty long way. Arizona ended their Major League record 24-game losing streak on the road in San Diego Saturday. They beat the Padres 10-1. to So that's what the Cardinals are facing tonight, a team that does not win on the road. Uh, worst record in baseball that begins the first of three tonight. College World Series, have you been watching this at all? I love the College World Series. I haven't been watching much. I saw the story uh, from the weekend with NC State. And that's just brutal. Um, I feel awful for those kids, but this actual series, the World Series itself between Vandy and Mississippi State is going to be about as good as you could possibly ask. So for fans that didn't hear about it, NC State had a couple of positive COVID tests and they were advancing into the, the finals and they found out, I think it was like one or two in the morning, got the positive COVID test, they're done. Yep. I don't know, man. It sucks. I I, I don't know. I, I hear you. Um, this is the world that we live in right now. It's awful. I understand from the College World Series perspective of uh, this is a risk that we just can't take with kids. If it's professionals, maybe there's a little bit different way of handling this, but it's college athletes. So I, I, I get it. Unfortunately, I hate it for the kids, but this is what we signed up for playing through a pandemic. Vanderbilt, Mississippi State. Mississippi State has never won a collegiate sports championship. The uh, Mississippi State po- uh, program in baseball, by the way, has been a powerhouse. I mean, a powerhouse for years. Big, big names. Rafael Palmero, Will Clark, uh, Jeff Brantley pitched there. I mean, they've, they've had great players for a number of years. And Vanderbilt, as we all know, they are this, you know, for the last, let's say, five, ten years, they have been the program in uh, in in baseball, so they have another chance at a national championship, and that will be tonight. Coming up, we'll visit with Mark Reynolds. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. This is well hit, and I mean well hit. Wow! Long home run off the bat of Mark Reynolds. That baby was crushed. Oh, man. Oh, he did that a lot. This guy hit bombs. Long Major League career. Mike Reynolds spent a lot of time in Major League Baseball with the Diamondbacks, the Orioles, the Indians, Yankees, Brewers, some time here in St. Louis, the Nationals, and the Rockies with BK. I'm Dan McLaughlin, and we say good morning to former Cardinal Mark Reynolds. Hey, Mark, great to hear your voice. How you doing these days? Uh, I can't complain. Enjoying the... Uh... 
you know, being retired and, you know, enjoying my kids, my family, and uh, running around the country playing, you know, baseball with my 11-year-old pretty much. That's all I'm doing. I bet. You know, you, you finished with two home runs shy of 300, so you're at 298. Did you, did you think, man, I, I just – let me get to 300. Then if I get to 300, I'm done. Did, did you think about doing that? No, it was not. I mean, that was never a, a thing. I mean, obviously, it, it hurts my OCD a little bit. But, you know, I had plenty of chances, you know, during my last year in 19. And, um, you know, it's tough coming off the, vent, off the bench facing all those bullpen guys throwing 100. So it is what it is. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad I got to play as long as I did and never expected to be that long. And, you know, I, I'm good and I'm enjoying my family. Mark, it's interesting you mentioned that pinch hitting role. Matt Carpenter has kind of taken that on this year with the Cardinals as well, and it's a tough one. He's talked about that transition. What are some of the difficulties of going from being an everyday player into now being inserted as a pinch hitter? Well, it's tough. I mean, you go, you know, from being in the flow of the game, um, being engaged, you know, for seven innings, and then, you know, six, seven innings, and the bullpen comes in, and then, but you're already in the speed of the game. You're in the flow of the game. You've had some A-Bs. You probably had, you know, in a certain week, you know, 20, 20-something at-bats. But as a pinch hitter, maybe in that same week, you've had four or five at-bats. And it's tough to keep up with with uh, your timing. And, and chances are, you're, you know, you're not going to face, you know, someone throwing, you know, low to mid-90s. You're going to face some nasty righty or lefty throwing 100-plus with a nasty slider and you got to be ready for your one shot during that game. So it's, it was a tough transition. And, um, and you know, I, I actually was in uh, Atlanta last week when the Cardinals were there and I got to talk to all those guys at the game and um, it was good to see everybody. But, you know, you know, Carp said that it, it's been, it's been rough on him, you know, trying to pinch hit and trying to stay, you know, engaged with his timing and his mechanics and his swing. And, uh, you know, it's a tough role. That's why a lot of guys, a lot of guys don't have a lot of success doing it. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, in the specialization of the game too, and and guys throwing high nineties and splitters and all this different stuff that comes into the game, it's very very tough. Mark, I, I was curious about, you know, you played for the Yankees and you played for the Cardinals, so you you got probably the two, at least in my mind, most historic franchises in in baseball. What what was it like playing for those two historic franchises in the game? You know, it's something that in the moment you really don't um, appreciate what you're doing. Uh, you know, in uh, you know, in my brain, I'm looking at it as like an opportunity to play and to have a job and to to play for next year and things like that. But now that I've retired, I'm, I'm looking back on it. You know, you know, I remember opening day in St. Louis with all the legends on the field and you know, riding around the truck and the Clydesdales and sold out every game and shaking all those Hall of Famers' hands and and, um, you know, looking back on it, I appreciate it a lot more um, being a part of that. And also on the Yankees, uh, when I was there, it was Mariano's last year. And uh, I'll never forget, I'm playing third base and, you know, Pettit and Jeter come out of the dugout to take Mariano out of the game and they start crying on the mound. And uh, it was one of those surreal moments where, you know, in the moment it's like, all right, let's hurry up, let's go, let's finish this game. And then now looking back on it, it's like that was like an historic moment in baseball. And I was standing literally two feet away from them watching them do this. That is so awesome. That is so cool. Um, I got to ask you about that night. What what do you what did you take away when you saw those guys 
um, because I was watching on television and it was just an incredible moment. And we all understand what Pettit and Jeter Rivera, Bernie Williams, all these guys meant to the Yankees. As you reflect on it now, what, what do you take away and, and seeing them in tears and, and thinking about being a part of, of history? What's that like for you? Uh, I mean, it was a, just a really, really neat experience. Like I said, in the moment, I wasn't as, I was like, man, this is crazy. I wasn't as engaged. Like, now looking back on it, it was uh, just show, it just shows the passion and the love that they had for each other. I mean, Anyone that's played, you know, it's a it's a brotherhood, and everybody, you know, on the field, they may get in fights, throw at somebody, or, you know, talk a little trash here and there. But at the end of the day, it's it's a brotherhood, and every you know everybody watches out for everybody. And not a lot of people have been able to play in the major leagues, and and but just to see those guys, how how long they played together, and how much they cared for each other, and you know, it was really cool for Girardi to let them go out and do that and take him out of the game for his last time, and. You know, it was just a great experience. We're talking to Mark Reynolds here on 101 ESPN. Mark, you mentioned that you were able to go down to Atlanta and uh, to hang out with some of the guys, say hello to them. Uh, what's the mood like for this team, Mark? I don't have to tell you. you. You've seen it. It's it's not going well right now in June, but we all know that they have the talent to get this thing back on track. Right. What's been your impression of them, and what was it like to be able to talk with the guys? It was good. Uh, it was the first game I had been to my first major league game that I've ever been to where I wasn't playing in it. So it was a really weird experience for me. Um, you know, with, with the COVID and everything going on, I wasn't able to like go in the clubhouse or be on the field or anything like that. But I, I got to, uh, you know, Nolan was one of my best friends, you know, in baseball, actually in my life, really. Um, we talk and text all the time. Um, you know, I was down there, my uh, oldest son was playing in the perfect game world series. So I got to go see some of the guys down there and, um, from what I could tell, you know, it was everybody was in high spirits. I mean, you know, Wayno is his normal self, Goldie and and Nolan, and you know, it, it, it's just baseball. You go through these funks, and it's like you don't know. You know, you have the talent. I mean, the whole team, like Nolan and Goldie and 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 Wayno and Yachty and all these guys, they're all all star. Like you have the talent is there. It's just baseball it, oh, throughout the course of a 162 is a long marathon and people get so caught up in these little stretches that like sprints that aren't that big of a deal. Like, yeah, you start the season 0 and 5, but if you go 0 and 5 in the middle of August, nobody cares, but 0 and 5 out the gate, it's like, Oh, they're done. You know? So it's like, there's time to recover and there's time to get back on track. And I, I think with the talent and the professionalism of everybody on that team, I think they will be fine. I'm curious, uh, what did you tell Nolan about what to expect in St. Louis and uh, what has he thought of, uh, of playing here in town? It's It's been tough to get down there and talk to him because of the COVID stuff. So, um, right. what, you know, what's it been like for him and, and what did you tell him to expect? Well, I told him, I said, uh, one thing I have to worry about Nolan is his hard work and the way he plays. He's, he shows up every day. You never have to worry about that with him. But I said, I told him, I said, hey, if you got a man on second, nobody out, and you hit a ground ball to second, you're probably going to get a standing ovation. Because <laughs> the fans in St. Louis are very knowledgeable, and they appreciate the little things. And, uh, you know, he just, he just died laughing. And, um, but he, he said that he uh, he loves playing in a, in a town that appreciates baseball, and it's, uh, you know, kind of a, a hard-working town, and that's the way kind of Nolan is. He's not all about the 
the pomp and circumstance, you know, and he, he just loves going through the field, getting his work in playing and uh, doing it again the next day. And, and, uh, you know, me and him were kind of alike in that same way. He obviously was a lot more talented than I ever was, but we, we both kind of had the same grind work, work mentality. And, uh, you know, I think that's why we still talk like pretty much every day today. And, and, um, you know, he, lo- he, he, he loves it there. He loves the organization. He loves the fan base. And, uh, and, and he actually did mention to me that he loves playing for such an historic franchise. He looks up and sees all the world series banners and, you know, he, he wants to put a ring on his finger for sure. Mark, when you, I'm sure you've been through some slumps over the course of your career. When you're going through something like that, and the Cardinals are kind of going through it together right now, which is the tough part, what is that like, both mentally and physically, to kind of get yourself back on track? What is that process like? Can you take our listeners through that? Yeah, so it's kind of the snowball effect, right? So, like, you know, the game starts out, leadoff hitter, it's a double, boom, snowball starts rolling the right way, and everybody is, is, is ready to go, and everybody is, you know, it's contagious. But once that snowball starts going the wrong way, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's like everybody's pressing to do more than what they need to do. Like, you can't hit a grand slam with nobody on base, and you can't, you know, strike somebody out on one pit. Like, it, it's everyone tries to do too much, and and when you try to do more than what you need to do, then that's when things start going the wrong way. Like, um, if you can just – you take the mentality of go up – you know what, I'm getting on base right here. Like, I was a home run hitter, and if I knew we were grinding and struggling, like – I mean, I wasn't afraid to drop down a bunt because, you know, no one was ever around in the in the crash. So, I was like, you know what, I'm going to get on base and maybe start a rally here. Just do little things like, um, you know, but just like – getting on base or, or making a big pitch or making a diving play, just something to boost the morale. Because like I said, it's a grind and the guys start, um, you know, getting that negative energy in the clubhouse and, you know, guys maybe start getting mad at each other a little bit here and there. But, you know, all it takes is that one game to where, you know, everything goes right. Everybody gets back on the same page. Everybody realizes how good they are. And, you know, and then things can start going the other way. But it, it's, it's a tough it's a tough thing to do. And, uh, you know, like I said, with everyone in that clubhouse and how experienced and how, and how you know, the veteran leadership in there, I know Yachty's, you know, taking that clubhouse and, and he's trying to get in the right direction. And, uh, and I think they'll, they'll be fine. They'll get out of it sooner rather than later. My final question for you, Mark, um, you hit a bomb in St. Louis. I can't remember – when and where what I mean I know where 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 it was it was in St. Louis and then we went on the road and I went and did a pregame interview with you and I said you hit these majestic home runs I said how do you how do you get the the length on these things and you said Dan I don't know I just swing and I hit you know <laughs> I hit it hard I do the you know okay mm-hmm. and now you reflect on it so how were you able to hit and I mean this sincerely. So you reflect on your career. Are you were you a guy that kind of like was able to get backspin on the ball and just be able to get the launch on it? And you had good bat speed. But I mean, you pulverized the baseball better than most in the major leagues, and that's saying something. Guys kill the ball. So how are you able to do it as you reflect on it now? You know, looking back, I didn't. I probably didn't realize how hard I had worked. It was ridiculous. You know, like yes. But like working out now that I'm retired and I don't work out four or five days a week, <laughs> I realize how much work I actually put in because it was normal for me back then. Um, 
you know, I, I don't think – I maybe could hit a baseball out of the park right now, maybe, like in BP. But, like, uh, I, I, I realize reflecting back, like, you know, I'm always at the gym at 8 a.m., you know, four days a week, sometimes five if I had a, a pool workout, you know. So looking back, I really did work really hard uh, to, to maintain strength. And now that I'm, I'm not doing that anymore – like I'm like, dang, I don't have anything to do today. Might as well go hit some golf balls, you know. <laughs> um, and I and I never bought in. And I know all the metrics and launch angles and all this stuff is there now. And I I honestly I was just I was old school. I just tried to hit the ball and drive in the gap and and you know now punching out is no big deal. But back in the day, I was like a a unicorn because I struck out so much and nobody wanted me to play. So you know I I don't know. I was I, maybe I just I was. A, if I was playing today, I would be normal, right? Hitting two kicks oh, yeah. and punching out and hitting homers. But absolutely, you know, back in the day, it wasn't it wasn't that way. So, I, I just think that the the, work, the hard work I had put in to prepare myself to play really kind of brought, got brought to the forefront once I didn't have to do that anymore, and then my body through that. Mark, final question that I've got for you. Last week, Tommy Edmond made some some news locally when he said in a post game interview that. He felt like the Cardinals hadn't been doing enough pregame for their routine to specifically work for the opposing pitcher. The game plans just weren't where they needed to be. Mike Schilt kind of talked about that over the weekend, said, hey, that's a, that's a big statement from a player. There's stuff that has to be done pregame to be ready for this. I'm curious for you, what was that pregame routine like? What are some of those? What, what goes into that game plan? How much of that is on your own versus with a coaching staff? Can you take us through like the day of the game when you get there? I know you guys get there at an ungodly hour. From the time when you get into the stadium till the time when the game actually starts, what is that period like for a player? Well, I can't speak for, for Shilty, but like I know – we have all the information on that day's pitching available to you. And most of the time it's on a printout sitting in your chair once you get to the yard. And it's got, it's on that specific person to, to prepare. I mean, you can't – I mean, do you want – I don't understand. Without knowing Tommy, I don't know him at all. Um, but from my experiences – you have to take it upon yourself to take the information, go watch video on your own in the video room and prepare, you know, the way that you want to be prepared. If you don't want to know that what he does in a, his, his percentages of what pitch he throws in a two, one count, then don't look at it. You know, if you, if you do, then go look at it. Or if you want to know in a one, two count with a man on second, he does this, certain thing in this situation it's like that all the information is there it's just a matter if you want to consume it or not and and trust me they have all that information maybe he's not doing it he's not taking advantage of it I, like i said i don't know him at all but you know you, you have to do a lot of the work on your own rather than being kind of spoon-fed by the hitting coach or whoever so um maybe it's just something that he needs to needs to go and and figure out on his own versus relying on other people to help him out because when I played it was like hey you do your homework you get ready obviously you have hitters meetings on what the pitcher has and how he, what he throws but i mean there's so much information i mean i don't even play anymore i can go on twitter and find out what the guy does you know yeah, right. like it's, it's it's the information's there you just, you just have to choose to consume it and get ready or you choose to not do it 
Hey, Mark, it's awesome to hear your voice. Uh, congratulations on a hell of a major league uh, career, and uh, good luck with the Little League stuff, too, and hit them straight on the golf course, too. Thanks for doing this. That was uh, <laughs> Thanks for doing this, Mark. We appreciate right, guys, it. guys, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You got it. That uh, is Mark Reynolds. Uh, wasn't sure if his phone went out there. Um <laughs> It is interesting, you know, and, and we've talked about it. It's a collective effort, you mm-hmm. know, when you're trying to get back on track. It's a, a little bit of everything. It's it's coaches, players. It's, you know, it's everybody. And it is. I, I thought the, the thing that he said, and I completely 100% times infinity and behind it is the momentum thing of, and this is what I talked about in the first segment. He said, when you go well, when you're going well, you get that, you know, that double in the first inning, you score the run, and all of a sudden you get the momentum. And that has not been happening with this club. And to the point of yesterday, back-to-back walks, first three guys score, and all of a sudden you're behind the eight ball. And it's kind of like, here we go again. That that happens in baseball. And that's what's happening right now with the uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals. You can feel it. like it, It's almost palpable inside of the stadium or coming through the television screen if you're watching at home. like You can feel when that momentum starts to go in the wrong direction, and then it is. It's a snowball effect that continues to go down in the wrong direction, and it seemingly happens to this team every time there's a Cardinal starter on the mound not named Adam Wainwright. And it's been that way for a month now. Jack Flaherty got hurt on May 31st. And in that time since Jack Flaherty got hurt, the Cardinals have been one of the worst teams in baseball. And it, it, it feels like it's basically a cause and effect right now of that injury kind of pushed the team into this direction. So we'll see if they see. yeah, we'll see if they can turn it around tonight at the ballpark. Seven fifteen is the first pitch if you have a ticket. If not on television at six thirty. And you have your show coming up for the next three hours. We do. We've got Mike Farron coming up at twelve fifteen. MLB Network Radio. He also does some Diamondbacks pre and post game stuff. So excited to talk with him coming up at twelve fifteen. We'll get things started though. We are a little more than halfway through this twenty game stretch that we talk so much about against the last place teams that the Cardinals are going to face and it hasn't gone well what's gone wrong for the Cardinals how do they get this thing back on track we'll spend some more time on that coming up here on 101 ESPN you've been listening to the Danny Mac show with BK the podcast powered by I promise Peloton let's go this holiday with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors we're gonna pick it up a notch it's the holiday season You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.